Hey guys, you're listening on Sin. This is Soul Food. I'm your host tonight, Ashikin, and I'm joined by one half of the Nam based duo, Z Retro, who's made out of the vocalist Zima and producer Second Thought. Um, they're like a time capsule of the 90s and RB at its peak. The rich, full golden era hip hop production um, is glossed over a spread of thick, groovy bass topped with light notes of jazzy synth and guitar. This is Zima. Thank you so much for having me on Sin Radio. How are you doing, Ashikin? How are you doing, Grace? You're doing very well. I'm happy to be here on Soul Food. Thank you so much, Ashikin, for having me. And thanks, Zima, for coming on. Yes, we have a, you know, we have a whole, you know, party out here happening. True. Um, and me and Gracie, we are such big fans of Z Retro. We think that, you know, you really are reinvigorating the R&B scene. I want to say globally because there is just a, a, a dilution of, like, you know, I think R&B is just becoming very diluted at this point and I think you're really, you know, bringing back that energy and that life um, and kind of, yeah, kind of really make, yeah, as I said, a time capsule like you're stepping into the 90s again. Um, yeah, what kind of inspired you to take that, you know, musicality, that sonic signature? The way that I've, I've kind of been thinking about it recently is that I'm stuck in a moment, but... I'm not particularly stuck in a moment if I'm just staying true to the things that have inspired me. I grew up listening to a lot of boys to men, Asha, uh, Michael Jackson, even uh, Stevie Wonder. Yeah, very colorful, uh, true vocalists who also have had uh, a duo or a tandem of a producer that they were working very closely with. And that's something that I, I kind of uh, took into admiration and put into my lists of things that I'd like to achieve is to work with the producer very closely and not be so uh, fleeting in, in uh, my relationships. So I've uh, established a, a kind of relationship with Second Thought and luckily he was able to accommodate the things that I, I was able to express myself over. He accommodated, um, he's a very talented producer and you know, I didn't break from my roots when I was working with him. So it was easier to express myself, as you said, with that sonic signature, because that is like the, the base of the base of how I learned how to sing and how I've come to understand music. Um, even so much as doing scales, pretending uh, I'm doing a show in the bathroom by myself, things like that, just small things that I enjoy. So yeah, yeah, that's that's been the approach so far. So how did you and Second Thought meet? How did you guys start working together? What was that process like? Well, uh, I've seen like in a few blogs that it says we met on a construction site or something like that, which is, it's not true. Uh, really Second not. Thought and I, <laughs> yeah, we have done some laboring work together, like during the COVID season when things were quiet um, for shows and the arts weren't really booming. Uh, we did, we have some friends, our, our friend Nihai, um, is uh, a hip hop uh, guru. He also just happens to be like a a carpenter. So we all worked together. We got our white cards and stuff, and we were fixing up houses. We were doing some crazy engineering work. Like, I was I was just only. But anyway, sorry, I digress. Second thought, and I met through my cousin Tamson P, who's part of a group called Ill Format. And my cousin he essentially tricked me into driving to Second Thought's house. <laughs> and when I got to Second Thought's house, One Six um, was recording over the track uh, Zimmer. 
everybody say that was originally that was originally a track for one six right so i get to the house and second thought is like i don't care everybody's gonna write a verse i don't care who you are what you do and you know i'm just like i'm really fresh to you know recording still or even just meeting all these people in the in the industry so somebody in the studio tried to play me out and they're like you know what zimo will just sing the hook he's the r&b guy it is what it is you know um <laughs> he'll sing the hook we'll write the verses and so that first verse that i wrote the people needed bread and not provide that was the first verse that i wrote and i i wrote it in five minutes and I shut everyone up in the studio and just chills, you know, ran up everybody's spine. No one was able to write uh, a verse that kind of was comparable or comparable to, to what I had written. And like, it's not the best verse, but um, that moment was true to, to what, what was required on that beat. And just uh, uh, an introduction to myself as an MC and not just a vocalist, like an RB vocalist. So, I gained the respect of, um, you know, one of Melbourne's like premier MCs, you know, one slash six who's working with public, uh, public opinion orchestra. And uh, yeah, even he couldn't write a verse. He was just like, you know what, maybe this one should just be for you. Um, and ever <laughs> since that, ever since that moment, you know, uh, second thought asked me, you know, what direction I wanted to take with my music because he had heard that, you know, I was a singer and at the time, I was doing uh, backing vocals for uh, Erica Chenzo and for my cousin, uh, Tamsin P, part of Ill Format. I was just doing backing vocals for them. And I, I didn't quite have the aptitude to beginning the process of making my own project. And so I told him, I was like, look, um, my five-year plan is to release, you know, three albums and to be touring because I know some of the benefits of, of uh, being an artist come from touring, you know, some of the financial benefits mainly come from touring. So I, ideally that's where I want to be, but in terms of what I'd like to execute in the studio, you know, I was in touch with, with MCing because I thought that singing um, wasn't as masculine of a statement to make and it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be as well received. Um, in a place like Australia, uh, mm -hmm. for instance, where, you know what I'm saying, it's it's a hard yakka place. And it's like, okay, like you sing, like, what do you mean you sing? Like, why aren't you, why aren't you doing something hardcore? So I didn't believe in myself that I would be well received as a male vocalist, a male R&B vocalist, mm -hmm. you know, um, in Australia. So MCing was just something that came naturally as well. Like some of my biggest influences are DMX, uh, Tupac, and most recently, Kendrick Lamar. So just, uh, you know, uh, another form of expressionism with the things that I'm going through, you know, it's uh, it, it's kind of helped me uh, balance out this duality I have and the struggle that I face within myself every day of, um, you know, wanting to sing and talk about love and the things mm -hmm. that I struggle with and wanting to rap and talk about, you know, activism and the things that I'm upset about. So, yeah. I love that you, um, I think that was such a beautiful pathway um, that, in that little passage that you took us through because I think the way that you categorised, you know, your vocals being something really vulnerable, because it is, and especially what you're talking about, masculinity, um, and especially within a 
actually predominantly white and, you know, male um, dominated industry of like, you know, indie surf rock type of music. If you were going to sing, it's not really going to be R&B in Australia. Um, And I love the fact that you even talked about emceeing um, as another way of expression and how that's a great way to, you know, actually be political and um, speak about the things that um, are important as well. Um, Just back on, you know, masculinity, me and Gracie were having a chat um, and we kind of looked at the album and saw lots of themes of, um, you know, nostalgia, not even in just, you know, a musical context, not even just sonic signature wise, but actually storytelling as well. And then we had a further kind of derail and started talking about how actually, you know, there's a lot of female empowerment in your in your albums and something, you know, when you talk about masculinity um, and just like toxic masculinity in itself, you don't really think about, um, you know, how like, are like singing and and usually that's aligned to femininity and things and I love the fact that you know humans are you know multi-talented and um you know have you know so many parts of themselves and you know singing is a part of yourself and actually paying homage to your mother to your aunties um we thought that was so gorgeous. Um, I love Dear Mama so much. You, the fact that you sing, you are appreciated, I think is something that, you know, I think every mother out there really, you know, finds endearing. Um, but, yeah, I guess what was your thought process in really having this album focused on being really vulnerable, um, paying homage to the past, almost like a love letter to the past? Would you even call it that? Man, it's a, it's a love letter to the past and an acknowledgement of what's helped make me, you know, and just, you know, where every man is going to come to this point at some stage of their life, you know, of acknowledgement, of true acknowledgement. I got to a point of acknowledging, okay, this is how much my mother means to me. This is, this is how much uh, the women in my life mean to me. Yeah. You know, you're, 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 you're very correct in picking up, on the theme of uh, of of women empowerment, because I'm talking about the good things, and in a song like Silly Games, I'm talking about more so the risk taking and the relationships that I've had, high risk, high reward types of relationships that I didn't quite know myself to be able to be fully engaged. But then, you know, falling back on a song like Do I Recall, where it's more so a reflective piece of you know, uh, it's also apologetic and, um, you know, I'm, I'm talking about, you know, you did everything you could to try to, to save me, so to speak, for lack of a better word. Uh, but I, I, I'm still the same person. So, yeah, you know, there's a, there's a lot of uh, nostalgia and memories and just um, when I was in the studio, I had to put myself into those moments again and to truly express. I went through a bit of a cut catharsis you know uh being able to really get those feelings out and and express them in in a very rhythmic manner you know um i think that's a very important thing for artists to go through is every song it's it's done like now it's it's done and it's on to new experiences now so you know i don't know what it's going to be like um expressing myself on these new uh these new projects that i'm working on but yeah, no, I, I definitely, you're definitely on the right track with, um, with how you formulated 
what you what you thought I was talking about. You're definitely correct. You know, uh, <laughs> I didn't think many people I didn't think many people uh, would pick up on that. You know, they'd just be like, okay, um, yep, yep, yep. But that's a very deep um, analysis right there. That's that's uh, almost literature. <laughs> you know, it, it makes me yeah, it makes me feel very appreciated that somebody has looked into, into the album that much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. It also must have been quite emotionally taxing putting yourself through that and into that mind state in order to write and record and everything. So props to you because it's like method acting. Like, that's not easy. Yeah, um, even talking about female empowerment, now that we're on to this topic, um, Zuzu, I thought was really interesting. I did go into a bit of a rabbit hole. Correct me if I'm wrong, but Zuzu is also can is like a term and can also be called nuzu or like nj uzu or like nuzu and apparently it's a like a, a spirit in shauna and it's a it's a shauna mermaid is this you know yeah so zuzu is pretty much is this about you know a person in your life um who is a woman um and apparently you know zuzu is a shauna mermaid that's appearing in the guise of a beautiful woman living beneath the water so basically a, a beautiful mermaid <laughs> is this song about someone in your life um and i just thought it was also just brilliant while i have you here um that you even paid homage to you know your culture your roots um and yeah a lot about Zuzu as well that's really important that I found out about is apparently you sing a song by like a water if um instead of weeping in the water of a lost loved one you sing instead is that the purpose of the song instead of grieving over someone you lost you're singing a song instead um so that they can you know return to you oh my gosh there's a very strange synchronicity happening right now um, that was not the intended effect, but what? the way there's, there's been ways, uh, there's, there's been a lot of, uh, plans, um, second thought and I have thought about putting a visual together for Zuzu The song strongly inspired by my heritage, but also the beat was very inspired by Jamiroquai and that beat was a birthday gift from, um, second thought and Horatio Luna. Um, wow. I love that. <laughs> we, we, we thought about putting mermaids together. Uh, like, we thought about you know, like mermaids, putting mermaids in the clip. So, yeah, like I said, that's a very strange synchronicity that's coming back to me now in a way that I never expected because the original intention of Zuzu, um, Zuzu is my nickname, is my childhood nickname from when I was a kid. <laughs> So people like, you know, people in Zimbabwe know me as Zuzu, you know, um, Zuzu means like uh, in in Shona. Yes, it does mean that spirit, that mermaid. But in Devele, it's just it's just my nickname. You know what I'm saying? Like um, uh, <laughs> it's, it's just my childhood nickname. And it's something that I was uh, called. It's a callback to a song. I believe by uh, Lucky Dube on Zege Zege, um, where they say uh, it's a sample essentially. Where oh. they uh, where they say Mazuzu Jola, oi oi oh oh. So look, anyway, like yeah, you just you just completely shocked me because I didn't know I was I was making 
I was making that connection myself. Um, but I'm going to attack and run with it and, and be like, you know, look, I think we were onto something bigger here. Because, you know, we thought about putting, we thought about putting mermaids in the video clip and I never even thought about that meaning in Shauna. I never, I never, wow, wow, wow. As you can bless you. This is an awesome interview. I'd never, never expected it. I never expected it. So, no, I'm, I'm really happy. I just thought it was because there's just like so many themes of female empowerment. So when I found out that yeah. Zuzu was a mermaid, I was like, there has to be a deeper meaning. And it's like, you have to sing a song by the water. It's like um, where my mind was when I, when I wrote Zuzu. I mean, it's, it's really about breaking tradition, you know, uh, but also it's the most traditional song ever. But I'm singing an overly, I'm not sure how to quite articulate it, but it's it's an extra. It's definitely an extra type of relationship. Mm. Um, many people would understand, but it works for you and the person that um, you're involved with. And that's the type of woman that I'm singing about. And I'm singing about the, the way that we'd like to adorn each other and appreciate each other. But man, I, yeah, I, you just, you just gave me something new. You just, I have to keep writing. It's going to, yeah, yeah it, it gets deeper. Wow. Yeah, because imagine the visuals, because also yeah. Australia, mermaids, H2O. It's also very current. <laughs> like H2O mermaids, big show down here. Like if they don't watch the video because of R&B, they're going to watch it because of H2O mermaids. Oh, look, <laughs> I grew up, I pretty much grew up in Australia. You know, I came here when I was 10 years old. So Ooh. I remember, I remember H2O. Yeah! I remember Blue Water High. <laughs> Blue Water High Blue was Water my High. favorite. Oh my gosh! Um, what was the other one? It was it was uh it was Mortified? like about this young mortified. Oh <laughs> my goodness! Oh my goodness! I remember all those ABC. I was glued to ABC when I was a kid. So yeah. Yeah. ABC three slaps. Yeah, absolutely. I watched everything. I have to. I'm gonna do a callback to to all that. Um. You know, when I have the time and also when I when I get the funding, I get the funding to be able to do it properly. But yeah, very inspired um, by both cultures, by both sides of, of my culture. And now I, I, I consider Australia my culture as well. Like I'm Australian uh, by citizen, but by culture as well now. I call myself like an African man, but Australian citizen. So that's yeah. a pretty good way to, to summarize it, to summarize what I'm about. Yeah. Yes. Anyways, yeah, I love that because I think that's so reminiscent to, you know, I think a lot of people can relate to being two cultures at once. And that's why I think, you know, Z Retro is such a great representation of Australian R&B, of like the Melbourne scene, the Nam scene. Um, Yeah. And I guess like speaking about, you know, the industry and, you know, R&B, I guess that, you know, being a local R&B artist um, alongside Second Thought as the Retro, how initially or currently has the industry kind of welcomed you um, if they have or supported you if they have? Well, there is a large um, fraternity, I'll say a fraternity of Zimbabwean artists uh, that are working in NAM. And they've all given me their props and... Um, acknowledgement of okay you're here you belong in the club we didn't know this is what you were capable of because 
uh, it seems like I kind of came out of nowhere, but really I've been working at this for uh, quite some time. This has been a dream of mine for um, a long time. Um, unexpected, you know, unexpected props and, um, and acknowledgements in, in, in certain ways, you know, people are telling me about how, yeah, I've had people propose at my shows. My shows, you know, um, I was doing, I was playing festivals before I released this music, um, so it's just yeah there's been some 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 ways i've i've been acknowledged i can't i can't comprehend and that are not coming to mind right now because it's just it's moving quite quickly and it's been a bit of a blur even the 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 chances to collaborate um the collaboration opportunities are starting to to increase now as well but essentially i've i've made a place for myself and um, now people are coming in, or now I'm being invited more so to other places, uh, places I, I never thought, uh, and by place, I mean, you know, just even for work, uh, working opportunities to work with other artists, opportunities uh, for other people, and now um, other people that have acknowledged I, I belong in the club or have uh, made opportunities for me. Um, I guess I made the opportunity for myself by being able to showcase um, what I'm capable of mm -hmm. in uh, being uh, a vocalist, um, having a strong aptitude for harmonizing, uh, but also being an MC quality artist as well. You know, I've had the chance to uh, even collaborate with multiple people that were uh, nominated at the Music Victoria Awards, which is kind of crazy because it's like, okay, I was on more than one project that was nominated for an award that's a big acknowledgement as well shout out shout out to my brothers at soul crates uh scomes yeah I, I, uh, and my sister kalala i did a record called beautiful world uh wow. with the with the guys at soul crates and um yeah it, it's it's been a journey it's been an awesome journey and it's only getting uh bigger and better i'm hoping to solidify those relationships and um to make Zimmer, to make the name Zimmer and uh, the band Z Retro a staple and a signature of um, Melbourne R&B. And I have to continue on. I have to push on. Yes. Oh, my gosh. I love that, you know, you're saying that, you know, we want to make a, a real, you know, impact um, and kind of engrave ourselves into into Melbourne. Um, yeah. And I guess on that topic... R&B obviously is so commercially successful, like yeah. worldwide, globally. You look at like Scissors, Billboard charts right now, absolutely oh, phenomenal. <laughs> like people love R&B music genuinely. Yeah. And I think that Z Retro is such a real representation of how quality like local acts are um, and of equal and yeah. even more, arguably even more talent than their international counterparts. Um I guess, because obviously this is my interpretation of and my assumption of, you know, the industry right now. Local R&B music haven't, hasn't been given that, you know, that extra push or that um, kind of success, I guess, um, material success um, in that sense, um, like their international counterparts have. Why do you have a kind of 
I guess, estimate or opinion as to why that's the case, why local R&B music hasn't been amplified as, as much as it should be and it's, yeah, that it's actually worthy of? I will say as individual artists, it's up to us to figure out how to make the art. But then something that's been said to me recently a lot is, okay, you have to do, you have to do everything that makes music valuable. That's the first thing. And then the second thing to figure out is how to get that valuable music to the people that want to spend money on it. So as individual artists, if you do those two things, you will find yourself in a, uh, you'll find yourself successful. And I put that in quotation marks because, you know, you can have success one uh, without the other. I've noticed that um, there is a trend of hopping between professionalisms, you know, um, and uh, using something else that you do to make uh, your music business greater, um, which is, you know, it, it works for some people. But if you're saying you're an artist, like, then you need to do the art. But yeah, I, I digress. Um, I apologize. I digress. No, but yeah, that is on point. Um, I agree yeah, with that hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. You're not digressing. <laughs> uh -huh. Individually, we have to figure out. You know, uh, like I will say myself, I've only figured out the first stage of how to do the things that make music valuable, and now getting that music to the people that want to spend money on it will be the second part. It could take me as long as it's taken me to figure out how to be an artist and how to be a studio beast, it could take me that same amount of time to figure out how to sell the music extremely uh, accelerated commercial level. It could take me as long to figure that out as long as it's taken me to become, you know, um, a well-rounded uh, performer, uh, which I'm okay with, you know, it's all part of the journey. So yeah, um, each to their own. Uh, we all have different strategies and schemes and there's so many starter packs and people sharing their knowledge on how um, to become uh, aggressive um, in your marketing schemes and also successful and how to achieve, uh, how, to, how, to, how to set realistic goals, you know? Um, performing a lot, performing a lot is one of my schemes in that in 2019, I did, whew, I did uh, maybe like something like 50 shows. What? Yeah, yeah something like that. I was, yeah, it was, it was insane. So I remember 2019, um, you know, I was, shout out to Let's Vibe. Shout out oh, to Let's Section Vibe, 8. R&B Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Z Retro was, that's one of the birthplaces of Z Retro. I was at Let's Vibe. Um, shout out to Alex. Yeah, he's a cool cat. Uh, shout out to the Sriracha guys. Uh, Z Retro was born in a, in a lot of places, you know, so uh, Section 8, White Heart. Um, and like I said, some of the uh, performances, like the uh, festivals I was able to perform at become, before becoming more well-rounded. Um, and so, so to speak, a syndicated, you know, uh, which is another form of recognition I didn't expect because... <laughs> not having um, a commercial success or having uh, established an audience uh, is pretty important and very critical for an artist to have before 
a record mm-hmm. label comes to you and says, hey, we're very interested, like very, very interested. So like, uh, what are your plans? How can we help you? And how often, how how long do you see yourself doing this? So uh, yeah, yeah, I hope I answered your question. I'm sorry if I digressed. <laughs> no, that was so fruitful. Now, the next question we have for you, Zima, if any sort of organization locally, so Melbourne-based, came to you with some kind of opportunity, what would your dream opportunity be? Considering it could be Always Live, it could be Music Victoria, it could be whatever your mind Mm. imagines. I seem to have an aptitude for teaching and I have a strong passion for passing passing down knowledge to uh, the next generation, just in the same way that I've been embraced my communities and the communities that I'm from, the way that, you know, um, we have to teach the kids, so to speak. I'm not sure what what organization that would be, but, you know, in a sense, you know, teaching teaching kids about music and how to express themselves and how to turn the woes um, of the world into like a productive energy it's something that I'm quite passionate about and something that I'm trying to teach my younger brothers and younger cousins about. I, I don't know what organization that opportunity will present itself through, but being able to work with children and telling them the kind of unorthodox qualities, you know, like, you know, uh, teaching them how to embrace the unorthodox qualities about themselves and being able to express that through their music, you know, because I, I always felt like um, a little bit odd. I always felt a little bit odd um, growing up. You know, I wasn't I wasn't tall or athletic or very cool, but I always had, you know, every time I, I started singing, you know, something, it was it was something special, you know what I'm saying? I, and I, I didn't, you know, I didn't quite know how to acknowledge or to deal with that. And um, yeah. Yeah, I I think I'd like to I'd like to teach. I'd like to teach, you know. So I'll see. I'll see what um how that opportunity presents itself. But teaching would be awesome. It would be fun. Manifesting that for you. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> and it is in the books. I can so see you with a really engaged little group of like younglings, like ready to learn. Like how do we make our music? <laughs> like I can so see that. Yeah. Um and you know, I um, think you know, you'd be so good at um, building the confidence of, of young people. So I can so see that in the cards for you. No, thank you. Um, not even young people, but, you know, um, during COVID, <laughs> things things dried up a little bit. And even some of my peers were asking me about some of the techniques that I I hold very dearly. I have a thing called the Zim, the Zim Daddy Songwriting Theory, uh, the Zim Daddy Songwriting Thesis. <laughs> Um, I talked to, what, to what, a few what, of my what, friends. What, what, what is the Zim Daddy songwriting thesis? We need to know. What? Well, what's, it's what's just foundation? about um, it's just learning through um, a relatable experience or trade that you're familiar with. So it's like songwriting, but the approach that I took initially was um, imagining that a song is like a cell. So you have your nucleus and you have your protons and you have your neutrons. And I teach people how to write songs that way. You have to have your nucleus. Yeah, you have to have your nucleus, your protons, your neutrons, and you have to have uh, 
yeah, it gets it gets crazy after that. But yeah, that's that's been a way that I, I, exactly exactly you know what I'm saying. So it, it's uh it's creative, um and you know that's the first type of um expression. But whatever that person uh, enjoys the most or does for work, I try to tie in um, the experience between how to write the song and um, how to tie it into what they do and what they understand professionally. So it, mm. it's, uh, not, it's not too out of the realm of their imagination for them to think about. It's great that you had that community mindset as well. We are wanting to uplift yeah. and help teach. And I think Sin is very focused on that community mindset too. Mm. Ashikin and I were just having yeah. a great chat prior about how important it is, especially to like Absolutely. platform other people in your community. But yeah. Yeah. That is Absolutely. so genius. Sorry, the, the Zim Daddy thesis, <laughs> the theory of Zim Daddy. Slay. Genius. Like, <laughs> we're making people... Like introducing them a new concept, but relating it to something that they already have prior experience with or prior knowledge about. Exactly. <laughs> Genius. Sorry, I had an epiphany a little. Um, Professor Zima, is that in the <laughs> Professor Zima? <laughs> Professor Zima. No, that's who you are now. Yeah, I, I don't care. I should probably go back to uni. Um, I studied at JMC for a little bit. What? Um, going for a bachelor of performing arts. I only what? got up to. I only got the 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 diploma. The credits for a diploma right uh, but that should I, i'd like to that's something i'd like to strive for is to become a doctor in music or something like that so, oh my god i can see that mm. yeah definitely head back to jmc after your tour after your international tour settle down go back yeah. to jmc relax <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's that's definitely in the cards yeah, amazing. Well, that was mind-boggling, I guess. Um, yeah. I have kind of one last question. It is kind of like two questions-ish, but it's kind of overall encompassing one kind of key, you know, theme. And I guess, yeah. you know, what are your predictions for the future of Australian R&B? And the very last bit is, you know, obviously what we're exploring on this show on Soul Food. Do you think Melbourne has the taste for R&B music? And when I say that, I mean, do you think that Melbourne and the industry and our audience and local people, um, you know, have the capacity to be able to support R&B music as a genre and have it become as commercially successful as um, the international counterparts? Is, is that something that you think can happen or will happen in the future? My prediction is that... Um Whatever happens, it's going to be good. Melbourne is one of the few, um, what I consider one of the few entertainment capitals of the world. And um, I'm not the first. Like, by no means am I the first um, to be attempting what I'm attempting. You know, I, looked, I look up to people like Seiko Music. Um, I look up to people uh, like Kudzai. Um, I look up to... I look up to a lot of artists that are doing what I'm doing, you know, but um, a different, you know, we've all taken different paths and avenues, but it relates to um, the question that you asked me before. And the answer is, you know, we have to keep trying um, and we have to keep trying different things. And I believe that, you know, once we get comfortable, um, in our own skin and, and trying different things. When, when trying 
different things becomes the trend, we will do so well. Because as far as um, getting uh, an international show, it's not that difficult. Uh, supporting each other is going to become a lot easier once we flood, you know, we, we flood the market with our own product, you know, um, and we become the main export and we're getting imported to other places. But I truly believe that, you know, uh, the frequency of things happening in, in Melbourne is a good catalyst for variations and variables and different things that could happen, you know, even if it's the different, it, it, at, even at the slightest difference, you know, um, that variable still matters and it exists and it will be acknowledged. And I believe that it will be supported, you know, variation of uh, uh, the variations of hip hop, so to speak. And as it stands right now in Australia and how strong that community is, is a beautiful thing to see. And it's been such a beautiful thing to watch. And um, the type of subcultures that they're tapped into uh, with uh, skating, uh, graffiti, um, fashion. It's been a beautiful thing to watch. And I think that, you know, at the, with the frequency of R&B projects that are going to come out, we're going to find our subcultures to be able to connect ourselves to and then be able to support each other through that. You know, um, you know even food is, is uh, considered a subculture. But, you know, if it has to be, um, dinner sets and um, uh, more so uh, a relaxed environment um, to start off and to kick off um, an, uh, like a, a place for R&B and let it be so. But otherwise, I think more people are going to try and being different is, is going to be the new trend. And um, I believe everyone that tries something different is going to be successful, but also getting their product to the people that want to spend money on their music is going to be uh, an integral part in, um, in them finding commercial success. Oh, I'm so sorry, that bird was... I, I, <laughs> I don't know if you guys heard that, but he was he was agreeing. He was like, yep. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to that one bird in the background. <laughs> Shout out to that one bird. Shout out to the birds. You know, they're listening. Honestly. Um, well, it's so lovely to have you here on the show today. Thank you so much for, you know, sharing your space, being so vulnerable with us. Um, we think that that was just so, oh, there's so many things that we could, you know, pick out from the conversation we've had. So many little, yeah. you know, little pathways that we took um, and branch it, branching out a little bit. Um, but I guess, obviously, this is the end of our interview um do you have any gigs coming up where can we find you how can we support you um no gigs coming up at at the time being um with myself i'm going through um i'm finishing uh, a bit of a recovery stage i've been going through some mental health issues dealing with some compartmentalizations and my partner second thought has just had a baby so we're both on on different paths but when we come back together, it's going to be bigger. It's going to be better. It's going to be, we're going to have so many different things to talk about and want to share our experiences about. So I would like to instill some fear in, uh, <laughs> or not fear, but like anticipation in the eyes of the people that are supporting us and would like to keep in tune with what we're doing. For the time being, you can find us on all, all socials and whatever your listening platform is at ZRetro. Uh, please follow us on Instagram at ZRetro and uh, keep listening and supporting SYN Radio because this this place is is the bomb. 
Like I, this is one of the most, yeah, this is one of the most fun interviews I've done. Um, the first one was fun. The first interview I did, I was working at a chocolate factory and they let me take a recess for 15 minutes to do that interview. So I'll always make time for Sin Radio. I love you guys and I appreciate you so much for having me. Oh, thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate it. So sweet. Beautiful. And thank you, Soul Food. Thank you, Ashikin. Thank you so much for organizing this. Thank you for, yeah, making Soul Food. Keep updated. Our Instagram is at Soul Food Sin. 